Welcome to Talking with the Animals, an exploration of animal communication. Join animal communicator, craniosacral therapist, and NES practitioner Caroline Pope as she discusses how to understand other species as they truly are, not just from the human perspective. That's right, Mecco. Discover how communicating with our four-legged friends can open up a whole new world for both of you. And now, your host and Australia's most recognized and well-known animal communicator, Caroline Pope. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking with the Animals. I'm your host, Caroline Pope. Thank you for joining me. Thank you to everybody that uh, commented on the last podcast uh, in regards to holidays. There was quite a bit of feedback about that one, uh, clearly struck some sort of a nerve. Now, one of the most asked questions, so it was a pretty obvious follow-on, was that pretty much what I described last week wasn't um, communication per se. So where did animal communication then fit in? And I thought that's a really great question. Now, as an animal communicator, I actually don't communicate very much with my own animals. When I used to run uh, large classes, now uh, since COVID, of course, that all had to stop and I now do one-on-one through Zoom because it's much easier for everybody. But um, when I used to teach it, my own animals, which I used in class, always loved it because it's a little bit like the mechanic's car that never gets done. I rarely communicate with my own animals. Um, and look, that's partially because you have to have a good on-off button and it's also because that's what I do all day and I want time out. But it doesn't mean I don't communicate with them. It's just not all the time. So for example, uh, going back to the going on holidays scenario when we covered yeah, the kennel versus the house sitter versus going on holidays with your pet. So if I'm going to leave my um, dog or cat in a kennel or cattery, for example, I'll always do the one night test first because if they don't cope, at least I'm there And it also then means it gives me time to organize something that suits my particular animals better. So once I'd made all the arrangements and I'd gone and inspected the kennels and decided which one I was going to use or cattery, all that sort of stuff, then I'd explain to the animals what was going on and why that they'd be going into the kennel or the cattery because I've seen the cattery or the kennel. I can send mental pictures of them. I then visualize me going away, me leaving them, um, the whole overnight thing, that it'll be strange, but they're safe and that they're happy and relaxed where they are and that I come back the next day and get them. And that's basically what I'll visualize, what I'll send to them, and they will pick up on that. Similarly, um, I have said time and time again that communication is no substitute for veterinary or training. It's not, um, and I expect my animals to behave at the best. I'm pretty tough on that. It's safety. has have to keep everyone safe first and foremost. It doesn't mean I don't communicate. Uh, I've been fortunate with my dog, my new one. My um, vets actually come to the home for that, and in a big part that's because 
with all these cervical and thoracic problems he has, he cannot walk on a slippery surface. He can't feel his feet. So if wherever I have um, timber laminate, tiles, anything like that, I have to have carpet runners down. Now, I've been fortunate in as much as whatever's gone on with him, we've been able to treat it at home, including x-rays. We've been able to, my horse vet has a mobile x-ray machine and that's what we've bought in and used. However, if he needed to go to a vet clinic, I'd go to the vet clinic first at a time, book that a time that's quiet. Um, it, most vet clinics have a one-way door into a consult room. That would be the one I'd be using rather than going through the main section. If necessary, I'll put down carpet runners. I'll bring my carpet runners from home and put them down so that he feels safe walking and it minimizes stuff. I will then explain to him what we are doing and why and that I he may not like it, but I expect him to stay still and behave. If the vet, for example, has to look in his mouth, I'll explain why we're doing it, why it's necessary. And again, the fact that he may not like it, but I expect him to do it, you know, open up his mouth, let the vet look. She'll be as quick as she can or he, depending, you know, whether the vet's male or female and so forth and so forth. If I need him to stand for acupuncture or an examination, I'll explain what the vet's looking for, why he needs to stay still. And we just sort from there. The same with training. I don't um, try and communicate too much with that. I do want my animals to figure out stuff for themselves. You know, there's the difference between training and the animal truly grasping it and mentally being shown a picture. Anyone can show you a picture of you hitting a golf ball, actually doing it, whole different scenario. So I might explain to my animal, show a mental picture of what we plan to do before I break it down in steps. Um, and as with any training, you've got to get the foundations right and I'll take as long as the animal needs. I will explain to the animal why we're doing this, um, ultimately what the outcome will be for both the animal and myself, why it will benefit the animal. But during the actual training, I really don't communicate. Um, it's really important to let them figure it out for themselves and why. And of course, as with anything, being consistent. Family disputes, breakups, all that sort of stuff. That's a really big one for a lot of people calling in an animal communicator. Um, and look, I understand why, particularly when there's disputes. But one of the biggest things with family and it's the same with training and everything else. One of the main things the animals communicate to me is that people are not consistent. So if you're having a blue with your partner or whatever, don't get your animals involved. Um, explain to the animals that you and your partner, your kid, flatmate, whoever it is, may not always agree, but dogs and cats don't always agree either, and that it will be fine. And if you think you're getting to the point that um, – you know, a relationship may break down to the point that someone moves out. Um, you know, if it's the other person, explain to the animal, as basically I guess as you would to a kid if the parents are getting divorced, that it doesn't mean that they don't love them, but that it's much better for peace, quiet, um, and basically sanity in a lot of cases, um, you know, for the other person to move out. 
if you are moving out and taking the animal, then, you know, again, go through, show the mentally, um, once you've seen the house or wherever that you're moving to, explain to the animal in pictures what's going on and why. Yes, it'll be strange, might, you know, it'll be a big adjustment, but you will be with the animal and you will both be fine and long term, you'll both be happier. This can take a lot of stress off the animals. Um, and as far as I, I'm definitely not a believer in this, um, what do they call it, co-parenting or whatever for dogs uh, with relationship breakups, I'm really not. I'm not saying don't see them at all, but um, it really is in a lot of cases too confusing for the animal. A lot of times one partner will be much more dog savvy than the other. Um, and it's just setting the dog up to fail, particularly then when one partner moves on and gets, um, has another major relationship. If that person isn't great with dogs, it's just a minefield. So basically I'm not a fan of co-parenting. Um, I remember years ago when I was seeing someone and I had a puppy, the relationship finished when the dog was probably around 10 or 11 months old, I think. And someone actually asked me how, um, you know, if there was anything that where the dog would be going. And it was my dog. I just about fell over backwards. I hadn't even contemplated in my mind that this guy would ever be seeing my dog again, let alone getting visitation rights. It just wasn't a happening thing. Uh, so that's something that most animals, and keep in mind too, they can, they can still tune in in exactly the same way you can look up someone on the internet your animal can still tune in and believe me, most of them have told me, yes, they love him or her, the ex, whichever it may be, but 99 out of 100 times they will say, but they much prefer the situation now because they can still tune in and energetically and physically in the house, things are much happier and calmer. Going back to work is another one that a lot of um, animals have struggled a little bit with and obviously with COVID for some animals it's the first time that the owners have gone back to what we would consider a normal working um, week so to speak. So again it's something that I will not substitute communication for training or leadership. Um, yeah I just don't. None of my animals have separation anxiety because my leadership is so strong. However, it doesn't mean you can't use communication to show approximately what time you'll be back. If yeah, the office finishes at five, say, so see, it's back. I'll be back around six. They, they do get a concept approximately of time or it might be back before it gets dark. Um, and if you are going to be late, you know, the proverbial, um, freeway car park or whatever, mentally send a picture. Your animal will hear it saying, you know, stuck in traffic an hour late or something's cropped up, I'll be back, but it won't be for another hour or two. And look at your own reaction, your own body. How can you communicate to an animal that you expect them to be happy, calm and relaxed while you're at work? If you're continually checking in on the puppy cam or panicking and going, oh my God, my animal's got separation anxiety. No, in a lot of cases, it's the humans that have the separation anxiety, not the animals, 
and the animals pick up on the humans and act out accordingly. So again, mentally, watch your thoughts because your animal picks up on that. And as I say, send them the pictures that you're happy and calm at work, doing whatever you're doing, and that your animal, you expect them to be happy, calm and relaxed, snoozing on the bed, chilling out in the sun on the back porch or the backyard, whichever. Don't um, imagine them barking at the neighbours or anything like that because I can guarantee you they'll pick up on that. So these are the sorts of things. Communication absolutely has its place. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I do. But it's an adjunct to, it's a useful tool, but it does not become in place of or an excuse for poor leadership and responsibility because we are 100% responsible for our animals. They depend on us. And for them to have a happy and healthy life, we have to step up and take responsibility. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking With The Animals. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe. Feel, as always, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any topics or comments, again, love to hear from you, what you'd like covered. Thank you to everybody that wrote in about last week's episode. I always appreciate your feedback. And as always, stay safe. And until next time, remember to talk with the animals. Thank you for listening to Talking With The Animals. To learn more about Caroline and the services she provides, visit caroline-pope.com. You can also find her on Facebook at Caroline Pope Animal Communicator CST and NES Therapy. Are you ready to change the way you see your world and the animals in it? Well, we know his answer. Don't forget to subscribe and see you next time.